You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lanker, and I'm here to help you connect the dots. As a pastor and professor for the last 30 years, I want to help you not only understand the Christian faith, but to make it a transformative part of your everyday experience. Join me as we connect the dots. In our last episode, we looked at the fact that the gospel, by its term euangelion, has more to do with the kingdom of God than seemingly any other concept. So let's look and see if scripture actually backs that up in any way. I want to go ahead and just turn and primarily look at the book of Matthew, although you can go ahead and look throughout the gospels, and I'm sure that you will find even more there. But in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is led into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And after he comes out of the desert, the first words that are literally out of Jesus' mouth in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 are, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A few verses down in verse 23, it says Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The first time we ever see the term gospel show up in scripture, it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and it is attached to the kingdom of God. From what we saw of the term euangelion, this grand proclamation that there's a good king who rules and brings all the goodness if we would bow our knee before them, that seems to be almost just a redundant phrase because the gospel seems to be the kingdom. Why, though? Why, why is the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God? Well, it has a whole historical viewpoint to it that most of us have never even paid attention to or heard about. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, when God makes man and woman, places them in the garden, he says to them, and this is a command, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and what? Rule over it. You can only rule over a kingdom. So when the heavens and the earth were created, the earth was made to be the kingdom of God that he gave this man and woman co-regency in, the ability to rule over with him and for him in his stead, in his place. He doesn't need to do this, but he wants to enter them into his work. Well, very quickly, they decide to take his instructions and do the exact opposite. They think that they can be the ruler. They think they can be God. And when they do that, Essentially, they rebel. In fact, I believe that's one of the best words to use to summarize sin. Sin at its heart is always rebellion. Rebellion against the rightful ruler of all creation. And that rebellion, if we know the story, it leads this whole world down the rabbit hole incredibly quickly. The whole thing falls apart. So then what does God do? He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't say, I'm finished, we're done, let me start over, which he could use just a few words and it all be back the way that it could have been or should have been. 
No, he he joins us in this process of redemption. And the person that he comes to is this man named Abram. He says, leave your father and mother in Genesis chapter 12. Leave all of your support system. Come follow me alone. What does that sound like? Sounds like discipleship. Come follow me. And I will go ahead and I will make you a great nation. It can also be translated as I will make you a great kingdom. God's first step of redemption is to reestablish his kingdom. It isn't to forgive Abram for all of his past sins. It isn't to assure him that, hey, the whole thing's screwed up. You'll die someday. But if you really believe that I'm good, once you pass away from this life, you'll get to spend an eternity with me. No, his answer to fixing the problem, his good news that he offers to this man, Abram, is, hey, I'm going to work with you to reestablish my kingdom on this earth. And that kingdom does get reestablished. And it's known as the kingdom of Israel. And the Israelites do their best to be able to live under God's control and to see his kingdom come and his will be done here on this earth as it is done in the heavens. And if we know the story, we know that they were horrible. They just messed this thing up and messed it up and messed it up. And God just gave them second chance after second chance after second chance. And what it proved was there were no amount of laws. There were no amount of second chances that we could go ahead and we could make our world right. Even if God was offering to walk us through this process of the reestablishment of his kingdom. So what's going to happen? Where's the problem? And the problem begins to be understood and highlighted by the prophets. And you'll see this throughout the prophetic literature in the Old Testament. The heart is the problem. The problem in this whole thing isn't that God isn't willing. It isn't that people don't want goodness to come through his kingdom. It's that at the core of our being, our hearts are in rebellion. And we still desperately believe that we can be like God. And this is where in Ezekiel chapter 36 and other passages in the prophets, it's prophesied that when this thing is fixed, when the world is finally set right, God's going to give us a new heart. And this new heart is going to be a heart that wants to do God's will, that wants to submit itself and says, hey, in humility, I can acknowledge I am not God. There's only one. You take the reins, you take over, you fix this thing, you make it right. Please make it right. So when Jesus shows up, he knows that this has been the heart cry of good godly Jews for centuries going, please send your Messiah. Please send your promised Christ who is going to have your anointing on him and is going to reestablish your kingdom on this earth. So when Jesus shows up and says these words, he's proclaiming to a whole population, the thing you have been wanting and praying for for centuries, it's here because I'm here. The kingdom is here because I am here. If you follow me, I am going to lead you into the fullness of 
all that God has planned for us in his eternal kingdom. That is why when you go to the Sermon on the Mount, the first phrase, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last phrase in the in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As you continue to go throughout the Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He concludes the message of the kingdom when he talks about anxiety, which all of us struggle with. And he says, why are you worried about stuff? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be taken care of. We hear it, but we really don't live into it. We really don't believe it. Why? I think the greatest reason comes to us in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 is the chapter that has the most parables all lined up together and every single one of them in this whole section is about the kingdom of God. If you want to understand the kingdom of God, that's the passage you need to read. But what's really, really interesting and something that in all of my conversations, I've never heard somebody just be able to explain this right off the bat is, is the parable of the sower and the seed. We know the story that the sower goes out, throws the seed here and there, falls on good soil, bad soil, hard soil. And the disciples don't get it. So they ask Jesus, hey, could you explain this to us just a little bit? He pulls them to the side. And in verse 18, he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. And I have heard hundreds of sermons that people, we need to go out. We need to tell people Jesus loves them, that he died on the cross for their sins, that they are promised eternal life in heaven, and all of this goodness that God offers to us. And and guess what? We have an enemy fighting this message, and he wants to rip it out of the human heart. Well, right in the text, right here in this great parable, it doesn't say that the seed is about the cross. Matthew is written Almost 30 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he has every opportunity to focus on that message. It, it, it doesn't say that when people hear about eternal life in heaven that Satan comes and rips that out. It says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. The message that Satan despises and hates and will do everything to rip out of the human heart is the message of the kingdom of God. This is why so many of us have never heard a sermon on the kingdom of God. We've never read a book on the kingdom of God. We've never had an in-depth conversation about the kingdom of heaven. It's just a byphrase that we use in Christianity And yet, this is the number one theme that Jesus talks about throughout the entire Gospels. He cannot, will not shut up about this concept. It is his central message. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like more information, please visit us at drjasonlanker.com. That's D-R-Jason-L-A-N-K-E-R. May you go in the grace of God, and may you not just understand the Christian faith, but live it more fully this week.